Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast, dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. Thank you for joining us today. I'm your host, Steve Kramer, and on this episode, we're joined by another Steve, except he has way more coaching experience than I do. Coach Steve Finnamore, he's been an assistant at the Division I level. He's been a coach at the junior college level, the varsity level, the freshman level, the CYO level back when he was living in Brooklyn, New York. And we really talk about the preseason in this episode from the first practice leading up to the first game. What are the things that you emphasize? How do you establish your vision? What are the things that you want to make sure that you cover in those preseason practices? You want to make sure you get off on the right foot. All of that and much more on the show. But again, I can't thank Steve enough for taking the time to speak with me. He's got that fire, baby. Let's get to the show. Excited to have Coach Steve Finnamore on the Coach's Edge podcast. Coach, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Oh, I tell you, it's an honor and a privilege, and I really appreciate you reaching out and having me on. Coach, we're all going to learn quite a bit. You've had maybe more coaching experience in a variety of areas than maybe any guest that we've had. We're about 50 episodes in with about 30-some guests. Um, but you have a really unique a variety of coaching experiences. So can you give us a little bit of your background in basketball? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I didn't take the conventional route, you know, the journey that most coaches take in their particular sport, like playing it as a young kid through high school, through college, having mentors, uh, being encouraged to go into coaching because, hey, you're a point guard, you'd make a great coach. You know, my dad wasn't a coach. I didn't have anybody in my family who coached. Uh, so it's actually like self-educated almost. I, I just, one day I was sitting around probably in my teens, early 20s. And, and I just saw some people around me who were coaches. Uh, you know, I started coaching high school basketball when I was 22, 23 years old. And, and I just took a liking to it. You know, I, I thought the impact that I was making on young kids it was pretty cool, you know, to see them go out and, and do things that you were asking them to do. So I, I started coaching at 16, actually. I was coaching a seventh grade CYO team in Brooklyn, New York. I was asked because they didn't have anyone. You know how youth sports are. There's no one to coach, so they get the dads or, or, or you know, someone in the neighborhood or the town to, to fill in the time and help. So gradually I was doing that. And then I was asked to coach a freshman high school basketball team in Brooklyn, New York, Bishop Ford High School, which is now closed. Uh, and, and I loved coaching freshman basketball. I remember my AD and varsity coach telling me, you know, the freshman coach is real important to the program. Uh, you make a big impact on the new, new students in school. So I really started enjoying it. And uh, I helped out with the varsity and I said, hey, I may want to do this the rest of my life. So long story short, not to bore anyone, I, I just pursued it. I, I reached out to people, tried to get some advice. I went to clinics. I, I coached at summer camps. And then gradually, I moved up to, to varsity. And then I coached some junior college basketball. I moved out here to Michigan in 1996. Uh, I coached at the Division I level as an assistant coach at St. Peter's College. I've been a student assistant manager at Michigan State University under Tom Izzo for two years. Uh, I've coached high school basketball out here in Michigan for probably about 12 to 13 years. So my journey is a, is a long one, but, but it's been a, a, an enjoyable one and, and productive. 
never gets old hearing oh. somebody's coaching story, does it? I mean, they're all, uh, all different. Yeah, yeah, but sometimes when I talk and, and explain and meet with other coaches, I, I feel sometimes I'm boring them to death with my, with my life story. So I try to keep it short and in a nutshell. Not me. I love, I love hearing a coach's, a coach's story, their background, how they got into it, why they got into it. That's great. Um, basketball season's right around the corner now, right? With your experience, put your, put your coaching hat on for me. How do you go about creating and communicating the vision that you have for that season to your team? That's a great question because I think a lot of young coaches coming in kind of, you know, forget about that because, you know, you're building not nowadays. And I was telling someone a couple of nights ago, coaching at the high school, college and professional level is, is an all year round job. OK, you just don't stop and say, OK, we're going to take a few months off and uh, pick it up, you know, in, in September or October. Now we're talking high school coaching here to me you create your vision and your goals and what you expect from your players. I believe it starts in the summertime. It really does. It starts in June, July, August, when you go to team camps, when you have practices, uh, when you get together with your guys for individual workouts, you really have to relay your, you know, vision down the road. You know, you have to create that. Everyone likes to call a process. I think Brett Brown started that when he was in Philly. And it really is a process. In, in coaching, th there's a lot of cliches. You know, there's a lot of terms and, and, and buzzwords that are, that are thrown around. But I really believe in a process. You know, it's, it's bringing in the young players and explaining to them what you expect. And it's also having the veterans, you know, the upperclassmen, pulling them aside, pulling the freshman or the sophomore inside and say, hey, this is how we do things. You know, when there's an open gym scheduled for 8 a.m., you know, you should be here 7.30, 7.40 to get ready, get dressed, get prepared. So you're really working all year round, Steve, to get your vision in line with, with everyone else. Absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Now, as, as tryouts come about for many, you know, especially a lot of bigger schools, you're going to have to make some cuts. You're going to have to establish roles among the players that make your varsity team. And for many varsity coaches, they also play a role in who makes the teams at that JV, that freshman level. So as you dig into tryouts, how do you classify, you know, who makes the team or not on any given year? You know, you're two for two because that's a great question too. And for young coaches out there, sometimes they forget about that, how important it is. Steve, what I would do, first of all, for all your listeners, I would go buy a five subject spiral bound notebook and keep notes every single day. If you're really serious about the coaching profession at any level, you could be coaching your fifth grade daughter's team. I would keep notes because I think note taking is the, one of the most important aspects in coaching. I think sometimes we have this big ego and, and, and we remember everything or we think we can remember everything, but we got to go back, especially as we get a little older, we learn new things each day. So one of the sections in the notebook, or at least a few pages, I would dedicate to tryouts, especially at the high school level. Now, I think it's real important, okay, to, to have kids in your program who, there you go, there you go, the spiral notebooks. I mean, I have binders downstairs in my basement. You can go on forever. So, you know, see, you're a great learner. 
I, I, I think as you show me all your notebooks, you know, alongside of you there, when it comes to tryouts, okay, it's, it's real, real important. It really is. You know, if a kid misses one, if he was sick or something, I think you got to be a little tolerant of that and say, okay, you come back the next day and work out. Some of the things that I look for, I have this expression that Larry Brown started way back, I think in the late 90s, early 2000s, play the right way. And I always try to tell kids, hey, this is how we play the right way. This is what I expect of you. You always want to have a meeting before your season starts. You want to have a program meeting, maybe a week, 10 days before it starts. Anyone interested in trying out for the boys basketball team, come on out. And then you go over a few things. You know, you tell them what the coaches are expected. Uh, you introduce the assistant coaches because they'll be there during the tryouts. I, I think you want to look for guys who play hard, who share the ball, who play defense, who play with a lot of energy. And most important, Steve, I think in tryouts, you want guys that are vocal. You want guys that are communicating. You don't want selfish guys in tryouts who are, who are looking to score all the time, uh, you know, who are standing off to the side when their group is not on the court and they're staying by themselves, not communicating, and, and all about being selfish. Also, Steve, a second thing I think that's important is the character slash makeup of the player, okay? You want good people in your program. Because, Steve, I like to say good people make good places. If you start, you know, taking guys on your team that are low in character, uh, don't really care maybe about school, about others, you know, you're, you're going down a bad road right there. So high character is important when it comes to tryouts, playing the right way, of course. So those two things in my eyes. And, Steve, number three, I think academically, I think it's real important that you bring in players or you, you put guys on the team that are great students. Because I tell you the one correlation I found, Steve, in, in, in youth sports, high school, even college, great students in the classroom are going to turn into great ball players out on the field, whether it's baseball, football, or basketball, track and field. Because I feel someone who does really well in the class uh, and, and really pushes to do well in the class and, and wants to do well in the class is going to make a great athlete. So, Steve, I'd say those three things, playing the right way, you know, having high character and being a good student in the classroom are three things that we look for in terms of tryouts. Those are three great ways to break it down, right? I yeah. think, think any time that we can have kind of these buckets or, or boxes and say, oh, are, are they checking these boxes? It makes us easier for us as coaches to evaluate our players. And then you went a step deeper, you know, even that one playing hard, sharing the ball, having energy, being unselfish, playing defense, being vocal. So you said play the right way. And then what does play the right way look like to you? Well, you, you broke it down. And I think that's really important for all of us coaches because playing a, a certain way or what we may want to see from a player, it might look different from coach to coach, but if you can, understand what that looks like to you now there's not nearly as much guesswork right Absolutely. And, and that's a thankless job when you have to make a cut right you have to you have to cut kids I mean that's that's the, the yeah. nature of the beast <laughs> what, at the high school level Steve it's one of the hardest things and it really breaks my heart and, and nowadays it used to be back in the day old school after you have a couple of tryouts, maybe two, maybe three, you post a list. You know, there's always that infamous list that Michael Jordan always used to talk about how he showed up in the locker room the next day to look for his name down that list. The coach will say, okay, guys, 
you know, after practice or, or tomorrow morning before school starts, we'll post a list, whoever made the team. Steve, those days are over. Now you have to bring in each player that you're going to cut or you bring in the players you're going to take on the team and explain to them why they made the team and then explain to the guys who you're going to cut. And, and you have to be real sensitive today, Steve. You can't just say, okay, you know, you didn't make the team, Steve. Take care. Maybe we'll see you next year if they're underclassmen. So now you have to tell them, especially if they're a junior and, and you're going to cut them or they're a sophomore, you have to explain to them, Steve, this is why, you know, you didn't make the team because they want to hear that. They want the feedback. The athletic directors want the feedback. And I'll tell you, bringing in a kid in your office and sitting him down and looking him in his eyes. Steve, I've had kids who have cried. I've had kids that have exploded and yelled at me to my face in front of my coaches. So it's an emotional roller coaster and, and tryouts, I think, are very, very important, uh, you know, in high school basketball and, and any sport for that matter. The communication piece is so oh. important. You know, oh. in today's day and age, it's so much easier to find ways to communicate. But in a sense, that's made it even more difficult to have real, true positive communication that actually gets something something accomplished that goes a really long way so as you're digging into your first few practices of the season now all right when you're starting out season you're you're coaching what are two or three things that you always make sure that you do i think number one is teaching and playing defense i think you're going to go really really far if your guys can defend and I honestly think defense should be worked on every single day. I don't care if it's one drill, if it's five drills, okay? The Los Angeles Lakers, the 2020 NBA champions, in my eyes, they were the, the best defensive team in the playoffs. Now, I know with this pandemic, uh, the shortened season in the NBA, we didn't get a real chance to see the regular season games. But in those playoffs, I watched all 83 games. The Lakers, in my eyes, were the best defensive team, okay? Lockdown, uh, on ball, off ball, they were incredible. So in terms of practices, you're teaching defense every single day. Your coaches are emphasizing it because you get what you emphasize. And I know we've heard that a million times. And if you're not talking about defense, if you're just talking about coming down, shooting the three, you know, cutting to the basket, those things, you're going to be a poorly defensive team. So we work on defense every day. We try to start practice with some closeouts, maybe some choppy steps, some zigzag drills. You know, just, just keep it simple. Not, don't get too high-tech with the kids because the new kids in the program are going to struggle with that. So, Steve, we work on defense every day. And, and number two, we, we probably work on shooting because I don't think shooting is worked on enough. I, I've talked to a lot of coaches, some older than me. I'm 56. I've talked to some guys in their 60s and 70s. They say, Steve, do one thing every day and that shoot. And obviously, you know, playing basketball, everybody shoots the ball. But probably, Steve, defense and shooting the ball are the two top most important things in our first couple of practices. I absolutely love this. I absolutely love it. Defense, obviously, needs to be the core. Defense travels, right? Yep. You may have an off-shooting night. You can yep. never have a bad Never. defensive Never. night. And then you're right on the money. I've had similar conversations with coaches who like, yeah, we're going to try to, they always say, we're going to try to fit in more shooting. Listen, you can't try to fit in more shooting. The object is to score more points than the other team. 
that hey, involves putting the ball in the basket. Hey, Steve, I've narrowed it down over the years as coaches. And I think it's awesome that you want to learn every day. Be a continuous learner. And I always say, learn the learner. So your players, your students in class, whether it's on the basketball court, uh, you have to learn the learner, the student in front of you, the player in front of you. And if you don't do that, you know, you're not going to progress. You're not going to grow. So you look at basketball games, look at the NBA, college, the two things that it comes down to is getting a stop. You always hear the coaches say, we got to get a stop. We got to get a stop. Well, think back to September and October when you were going over those principles, get a stop, get a stop. And then shooting, you got to make a basket down the stretch. So what I've done is narrowed it down, maybe four, five, six things that I really emphasize. But when you ask me the first couple of days, we're getting right after it with defense and shooting. No, that makes, that makes perfect sense. Coach, you've coached, you know, from interacting with, with Tom Izzo to coaching CYO youth basketball in New York. What are some of the things and the takeaways that you've learned from coaches that those successful coaches and teams have in common? The number one thing I've learned and I've coached with, like you said, so many people, I, I've been around so many people watching, you know, listening, that, that's the one thing you have to do. You have to observe. You're, you're not going to make it in this business if you think you know it all. So be a sponge like everyone likes to say. The one thing I've learned and we've touched on this a little bit is honesty. You have to be honest. Your integrity has to be sky high. If you're not honest, I'm telling you right now, Steve, down the road, it's going to backfire and it's going to come back to bite you in the backside. You have to be upfront with everything you do. Okay. Uh, work ethic. I would say honesty and work ethic are the two things. The most successful coaches work their tails off. I've spent, and I'm not name dropping. I'm not trying to be an ego, you know, maniac. People know me. Tom Izzo, is the hardest worker, Steve, that I've ever been around in my life. I've seen his practices. I've been in his meetings. Uh, I, I know what the guy's all about. If you don't work hard, I know that's another buzz term that gets tossed around. It's in everyone's book. It's in everyone's lectures, everyone's clinic. Steve, if you really don't get down and dirty and, 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 and work your backside off, you're not going to be a success. So I would say honesty and worth that worth ethic are the two most important things that I've noticed. And, and then number three, Steve, I, I think relationships. I think as we move into, you know, 2020, 2021, we, we're looking at the pandemic here, last 32 weeks, people are on their own right now and people are forgetting to reach out to others. And what I try to do, Steve, I try to make it a goal to email, text, direct message, uh, call someone, relationship building in my eyes is the third most important thing that I've learned because most of my friends, you know, I, I've known them for so many years. And the minute I meet you face to face, you know, via text message or whatever, email, you know, we're friends for life. And, and the most important thing with the relationship, Steve, is nurturing those friendships. Don't just meet somebody and then forget about them. You know, so I think those three things, honesty, work, work ethic and relationship building, Steve, are the three things that I've learned over the last 35 to 40 years. That's phenomenal stuff because we can apply those characteristics to basketball. That's <laughs> we, can, we can apply them to anything else that we do in life. And especially for 
our high school coaches and even our college coaches who have kids on scholarship, that's the point, right? Is, is being able to develop, right? Good members of society, contributing members of society. That's what it's all about. So getting your practice hat back on coach. Yep. Something I'm really curious about when I speak with coaches is, you know, and it seems to depend on if, if someone is a little more offensive minded compared to defensive minded, but speaking specifically to you, if you had to characterize or put percentages out there, how much of your practices are geared toward offense or defense and why? I think in certain parts of the season, you kind of go up and down with the percentage of how much you, you know, decide what you're going to work on that day. A lot of it has to go with feel. A lot of it has to go with your win loss record, how you are in the standings, you know, who you're playing on Friday night. A, a lot of those things come into play. Like what do we need to work on when we're playing coach Kramer's team on Friday night? What do they do? Great. Uh, I, I would say beginning of the season, I would say defense, I would look at more, maybe going 60, 40% wise in terms of defense being most important. As we segue into the middle of the season, I would go 50, 50 uh, and offense and defense. And then towards the end of the season, when it gets down to playoff time, I, I would lean more towards defense. I really would. I might go, you know, 75, 25, because I think Steve defense wins the championships. Like I said, we talk about buzzwords, terms, cliches. If you're not pounding in the defensive side, you're going to struggle in those districts and those regionals because someone's going to come with some big time players and you're going to have to come up with stops. So I would lean more towards defense as the season moves on. A lot of kids come in the gym on their own. They get extra shooting in. They have, some of them have personal trainers now. So they're working on the offense. But I tell you what, Steve, over the course of my career, I've really turned into more of a defensive orientated coach. I used to be high on offense. I had 150 plays in my playbook. My players couldn't remember three of the plays. So I really turned into a defensive coach because I think there's more. I, I don't want to say, say fanfare with defense. Everybody loves to score. Everybody loves to shoot the three, dunk the ball. But I really think, Steve, when you come up with a stop at a critical time of the game, I, I, I think the defensive end of the court is where it's at. I think it's great that you've given yourself a framework. Like, yes. okay, in the beginning of the season, price 60-40, then 50-50, yep. then we're going to yep. get back in towards defense. Maybe there's some more scouting involved regarding Absolutely. tournament time. So you have to implement some more time to the defensive side of the ball. But at the same time, you're going by – the feel of, you know, where That's the team is specifically it. at. Um, and then, you know, defense travels, it right? Does. Again, we, we've said I it a million that. times, but defense travels. And so being able to have something that is dependable that you can count on, that you know what we have with the players that can pull it off, you're giving yourself a chance, right, to, to be successful. Steve, Steve, the one thing, about breaking down the seasons into three parts, beginning, middle, end. During that Christmas break in high school, okay, I love to get a lot of shooting in. We use those two weeks, those 10 days to 14 days to get extra shooting. And we like our freshmen and our sophomore teams, our freshman JV teams to come in during the course where there's no games. You know, the varsity probably goes to a Christmas tournament, but I like our freshman and JV coaches to get the kids in the gym pull the guns out, break down all the baskets and get in a lot of shooting. 
So that's really important there too during the course of the season. You know, that reminds me of something that my high school coach did. I had the chance to play for a Hall of Fame coach in Mark Gainforth and then coach alongside him for two years at right. Unionville Seaway right. Schools. And he really took advantage of Christmas break with oh. every every team. We kind of have a few games before, you know, that Christmas break period. Yeah. And then he really utilized those those vacation days yes. to really improve players' skill development and and being able to gauge like where are we at after a few games still early in the season? What are some things that we need to emphasize? And he would always hit, you know, the new year up and running. There would be a long win streak. There would yeah. be, you know, kind of like Tom Izzo with, with oh. March Madness, right? Yeah. That was in a sense, my high school coach, but it was the month of January. Like you would yeah. just see this boom with, yeah. you know, this team would come out and be like, Whoa, what happened to these guys over these two weeks over break it was really good at that. And I think that from a high school standpoint, that Christmas break can be a, a real benefit or a real detriment. You have to use that time yeah. uh, very, very wisely. Steve, I would, I would suggest to all the listeners out there, if you can go to Michigan State University and check in and watch a practice or two, call the basketball office, ask them when next practice is 517-355-1643. Call the office. Everyone is allowed to watch a practice. They never turn you down unless they have a big game coming up and the next day against Michigan, against Duke, they may turn you down, but Tom Izzo's the best when it comes to access. And, and that's another thing we talk about. And there's so many things we can talk about, Steve, you know that. Get out and watch practices. Forget the games. The game, anybody can watch a basketball game and break down film, but get out to practices. Watch a, a middle school practice, watch a high school or college, go to an NBA practice. Coaches will allow you to come in. Steve, I would say if you have a visitor at your practice, if you're a high school coach and you bring in, invite like a retired coach from your area, whether it's football, hockey, soccer, give them some paper, a pen, a yellow tablet, have them scout your team. If you come to my practice, I'll say, Steve, do me a favor, scout my team. And they'll write some notes down and, and it'll be great feedback for you. So always get out and watch practice. That is a great, great piece of advice. Have a, an outside yeah. view for somebody to come in, take a look, observe, just kind of be a fly on the wall and give you some of that feedback. Somebody that, that you respect, that's key. Coach, what are some of the main principles that you've learned from other coaches throughout your career? I, I think in terms of X's and O's, you know, I always like to say, this is something I've really learned and I've, I've really tried to, to, improve on this and and my next coaching job i'm really going to build relationships and i know i touched about this but everyone talks about the x's and o's sometimes it's not about the x's and o's you know mike malone from the denver nuggets who i've, I've got the golden opportunity to to meet get to know nurture that friendship H him and i have text messaged a lot and i've read a lot of his material so i think one of the principles is, is you know, I talked about this earlier, Steve, I hate to be redundant, but learn the learner. You know, you really have to understand what's going on in a kid's life today. And we're talking high school. Uh, so the relationship off the court is, is real important. I'm not saying get into the kid's business and talk every day, but, but learn what 
makes him tick? You know, how's his life? You know, how's things going on at home? How's his academics? Does he want to play basketball at the collegiate level? Uh, you know, don't, don't, try not to get too involved in his personal life, but see if he has a girlfriend. See how that's going along, you know? Uh, so that's probably principle number one in terms of life, you know, you know uh, skills. Uh, on the court, Steve, basketball-wise, you know, I go back to my play the right way philosophy. You know, there's so many things, sharing the ball. Uh, I think that's an important principle, uh, communication, playing tough defense, rebounding the ball. There's so many things that, that you try to throw at the learner, but also you don't want to, you know, confuse him. They talk about, you know, paralysis by analysis. You know, kids get all mushy in their brain and they forget about things, especially with the play call. I think the game some coaches go overboard with their offensive sets. I think we, we, we run too many plays. You watch a lot of teams. Uh, they run too many plays. Some teams don't run any plays. I remember meeting with Jerry Sloan, the late, great Sloan, uh, when he coached the Utah Jazz. They came into East Lansing to play the Detroit Pistons in an exhibition game in the year 2000. And I got to meet Coach Sloan. And Gordon Chiesa was an assistant coach. And they said they only had eight plays that they ran, eight offensive plays. Okay, so you got John Stockton and Malone. All you got to do is know to pick and roll. But so I think one of the principles is keep it simple, you know, have some fun. I, I like to say run, gun and have fun, you know, let the kids have some freedom. So those are probably the two or three or four most important principles I've learned from coaches over the years. Keeping it simple and putting your players in a position to succeed. Like you That's said, it. you got Carl Malone and yeah. John Stockton, yeah. right? you don't need a hundred sets, right? No. You need to, you need to do what works. And then you talked about the, the relationships, the care factor. And oh. when oh. I'm coaching, I always talk about, I want three C's when I'm a coach. I need that. I need to relay to my players. That's communication, confidence, and competence. And in order for me to communicate at a high level, I need another C and that's caring. When your athletes understand that you care about them more than just what they produce out on the court, but you Steve, care for them yeah. as a person. That's yeah. where it's at. Steve, listen, here's something new. We're going into 2021. Okay. It's not about the X's and O's. It's about the hearts and the souls. That's what it's all about now. Even with the students for teachers in the classroom. If you ever notice, I, I substitute teach quite often. And sometimes I bump into the teacher that I'm going to sub for. And there's so many outstanding educators out there in our classrooms. The relationships teachers have with, with their students. All these coaches with these big egos, they say, I'm just like a school teacher. You know, if you really are, you're going to put your arm around that kid. If he fails a test, you're going to pick him up and help him some more. You know, if a kid turns the ball over, are we yelling and screaming at him? Are we benching him? No, we, we have to embrace them and, and really make them feel, you know, still part of the team, the kid who doesn't get in the game. Are, are, are you talking to him every day? Steve, when my team stretches before practices, I make it a point to walk around and talk to every single player. I have to talk to all 12 guys to see how things are going. So it's not about the X's and O's anymore, Steve. It's about the hearts and the souls. I absolutely, I absolutely love that. We could go on and, and talk for forever and ever, yeah. Coach. Last question. Yep. 
as you look back on, not that you're done coaching, but as you look back on all your years as a coach, who has made uh, the biggest impact on you and your life through basketball? I tell you what, Steve, I have to give you two people. And the first person I'm going to give you is going to be kind of an odd answer and, and people are going to shake their head. But my wife of close to 25 years now has made the biggest impact on my life in terms of coaching. If you're a coach out there and you have a spouse, they are the most important person in your life because without them, it, it, it doesn't work. I read a statistic one time and I might've been an AD coach magazine or one of those, you know, publications, a little over 50% of coaches, you know, get divorced from their wives. And, and, and that was kind of sad without my wife, Steve, and her impact, the encouragement, uh, because Steve, at the end of the day, on a Friday night, when the game is over, after everything gets cleaned up, you get in your car, you go home, the only person who's going to be there is your wife. Maybe if you have some children, of course, some older children, that's definitely right there. But your wife, your girlfriend, they make the most impact on your life as a coach. And, and probably in the coaching profession, I, you know, Tom Izzo from Michigan State, and I, and I hate name dropping. I, I know people get all into that kind of stuff. I'm not. He's made the biggest impact on my life because he's given me a chance uh, to be around their program, 24-7 uh, access. I, I, I can pick up the phone and talk to him. Uh, he's been great for my career. He's made some calls for me to help me get a job. You have to have a person in the profession that's an impact on you, and you have to have someone out of the profession. It's okay to have a relationship with a football coach, uh, with a teacher, with an administrator at a school. Steve, this all boils down to relationships. So my wife and Tom Izzo, probably the two biggest impactful people on my coaching career over the years. I like how you have these two different aspects, right? You talked about family, right? Your, your wife, and it, it couldn't be more true, right? I think of, you know, when I decided to go full-time in my basketball business, and if I didn't have the support system of my wife to encourage me and to be willing to say, Hey, there's going to be like, you're going to take a financial step back before you can move forward. And I, I support you and your, your vision and your dream. If you're not on the same page there, it's going to be really, really difficult with all the, the late nights and the early mornings that are required. If you're going to go, do a good job as a basketball coach. Right. And then, yeah, go ahead. Steve, it goes the same for the players. The coaches can pass this along to the players too. If you don't respect your parents, maybe your girlfriend, your siblings, the same thing's gonna happen. The, the, the human beings outside of coaching, those people in your life make the biggest impact on you. It's important, I, I once heard you have to have, a, you should have a coach in your life. You should have a mentor in your life. You should have a friend in your life. And you should have a cheerleader, somebody who's just yeah. pushing you, encouraging you to continue to improve and get better. And when you can cover some of those bases in different areas, then you give yourself a chance to, to be successful. And it's important not to have a whole bunch of coaches, but no friends, right? It's important to not have a whole bunch of cheerleaders telling you, how, hey, you're, you're so good, you're so good, you're so good, but there's no mentor trying to show you, show you the way. 
you need to have that balance in yeah. order to be successful. Yeah. Steve, the mental health part of coaching is so underrated and under talked about people are afraid to, to build relationships and, and, and get sentimental and get emotional with people. And, and, and if you're not, you know, speaking the truth, uh, getting to know people, you know, reaching out, gratitude, I, I, I think you're going to struggle as a coach. John Wooden, who a lot of people consider one of the greatest coaches of all time, had an unbelievable relationship with his wife, and he always talked about her. And, and a lot of coaches that I know, like take, for instance, Thad Mata, who used to coach at Ohio State, him and I are really good friends. His wife, Barbara, is like the greatest human being in his life. It's real important. because Someday, Steve, you're going to get fired and people are going to hate your guts and you're going to go home. And the only person that really cares and loves you is your wife waiting at home. Absolutely. I mean, one of the biggest keys to coaching is understanding that not everyone is going to agree with nope. what you do nope. and the, the decisions that you make. Coach, we could go. Yep. on and on forever. I'm going to have to see if we can get you back on a, yeah, another anytime. podcast. That was, a, anytime. that was a lot of fun. Thank you for being on the Coach's Edge. Oh, you know what? It was a pleasure. You know, keep doing what you're doing. And uh, thanks for having me. Again, I want to thank Steve for taking the time to speak with me on this episode as we dug into what he emphasizes during the preseason. He's a great follow on Twitter. Make sure you go below and check out his handle. And then lastly, the Coach's Edge membership shuts down on October 31st. So if you're looking for a way to get access to all of the different areas that we help basketball coaches, from quick hitter plays to individual and multiplayer practice drills, culture and leadership activities, program development from the youth level, all the way on up, literally hundreds of videos hours of instructional content and PDFs. We have it for you in one location at the Coach's Edge. So go to coachesedge.coach, C-O-A-C-H-S-E-D-G-E dot coach. Let's get better. Thanks again for listening.